Daniel chapter 3. It's just exciting. Uh, Even when I'm away, I'm calling back and saying how things go. And we had a good Sunday, and God blessed. On Tuesday, we had the uh, Derek Thomas missionary to Ukraine, who spoke to our whole student body, uh, elementary and high school, two different sessions, and thoroughly enjoyed that. And then Tuesday evening, uh, Miss Vicki and I had them over to our home, and we had just a great time talking for about two hours or more about what they're doing in Ukraine and how God has used his ministry and moved him about. Do you know he was a successful businessman who uh, got called into ministry? And so he, he wasn't, he didn't go to Bible college, wasn't planning on going that route, and just uh, successful in his business. In fact, he said his business was so successful, it allowed him a lot of time for ministry. And that's what he loved, his ministry. And he said, uh, his pastor told him about a church that it was the middle of L.A. that was without a pastor. I don't know if he told this story on Sunday night, but he was saying, I was praying, Lord, please not there. I go, <laughs> I go to any country in the world. But, and it was right during the riots, Rodney King days, you know, right there. And I, I got three small children and wanted, and he said several weeks later, I just, uh, I just got behind the church and walked around and I said, Lord, I'll go anywhere. If that's where you want me to go, I'll go there. I'm willing to do anything. And he said, and three weeks later, they had a missionary at their church from uh, Lafnia? Lithuania. Oh, Lithuania. Okay. I like to make up countries. (laughs) But Lithuania. And... uh, and uh, he said, well, that's where I'm going to go. And, and they were there for like nine years and then uh, came back and started a church in Kansas City and was there for like eight or nine years. And then uh, in 2014, uh, back on the mission field and uh, just doing a tremendous job and reaching many people for Christ. And now he's got a program that feeds them. By the way, Sunday, our church took up uh, around $2,150 in dollars to send for food and purchase food. And so we're pretty thankful for that. And he was very grateful for that. And then we were able to give him a generous love offering as well. And he asked me, he says, is that for the food too? I said, no, that's just for you and your wife. And they go, wow, okay. Well, that's an answer to prayer. We could use it. And so we want to be a blessing to our guests, and I'm grateful that we are. We're in Daniel chapter 3. Now tonight, uh, as we go through this scripture, I'm actually going through all 30 verses of Daniel chapter 3. So we'll not stand and read those verses and then go through it. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll go through verses at a time. We're looking at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And to most of you, that's a very familiar story. And I've entitled this message, uh, Something Worth Dying For. You see, a lot of times there's things worth living for that are not worth dying for. 
They're worth living for, but they're not worth dying for. There's some preferences we have are very, very strong. But if someone was to hold a gun to our head, we'd freely admit it's really just a preference. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't mind this or that, you know. I've heard people say, I'd be dead before I drive a Ford. Well, if they put a gun to my head, I'd drive the Ford. I, I, uh, preferences, and by the way, that's not my preference. If you have a Ford, that's fine with me. But uh, the, in the last rentals I've had that were Fords drive excellent. But uh, we have preferences, and, and they're strong, but not biblical convictions. But there are some things worth dying for. And in our text tonight, we are going to see three young Hebrew men. And by young, whether they're teenagers or in their early 20s, they're young by anyone's standard of ancient world. But they saw that there was something worth dying for. And that was their allegiance to God. Patrick Henry said years ago, Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains or slavery? Forbid it, Almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. And of course, God used that speech to bring about the American Revolution where many people laid their life on the lines. Every one of those who signed their name to the Constitution paid a price. Most of them were fairly wealthy people and every one of them ended with poverty. Because their homes, their estates were the first destroyed by the British Army. Many of them died in the conflict. But they felt like the liberty of future generations was worth their life. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego give us wonderful examples of what you and I as Christians ought to be men of character, women of character. As I used to hear when I was a boy and preachers would preach, they would say, we need Christians with backbones like iron girders that will not bend and will not bow. And uh, I heard many times ago, they would not bow and they would not burn. And that's a good Summary of chapter 3. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. We'll get right into the scripture. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the spirit of God that is always present whenever the word of God is preached. Lord, you have empowered your word and you have decided that every time your word is proclaimed, it would never return void. And Lord, that's not the power of the words on the page. That's the power of the Word of God, energized by the Spirit of God. Every time it's read or preached or proclaimed or taught, 
Lord, we thank you for that. I'm so glad, Lord, as a Christian, I can listen to preaching. And as long as it's from your word, it could be from a teenager or a seasoned pastor, but there's power in the message. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll give us that which will help us, strengthen us, encourage us, Lord, with your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Something worth dying for. The first thing we see here in verses 1 through 6 is the image dedication becomes deity. You see, they gathered them together for a dedication, and then they turned the tables having assembled them all together. Notice what verse 1 says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubics. Now that's approximately uh, uh, 90 cubics, which is usually 18 inches, so about 120 feet high, and the breadth thereof six cubics. Now uh, that's not very wide, that's about nine feet, so apparently you see something really tall and not very wide. So perhaps Nebuchadnezzar was... Uh, a tall king that was rather very thin. So this is supposed to be an image of him. So he, we have to think he fit more that pattern of this image. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers and the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Now, you'll notice he is gathering together all the elite of the kingdom. And the kingdom of Babylon was one of the great world powers in ancient world. And so it's rather large, and he gathers people from all over the kingdom that have any position of power. And then he says it's for the dedication of this image. And so that's the uh, protocol of which everyone is inviting. Come to the dedication. I'm sure that it was written in the way that it was not a request. (laughs) It was, you be here for this dedication. But notice how it changes in verse 4. Then in herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages. Now that's interesting because that is what Babylon was. It was a conquered people of all different nations, all different tribes, all different peoples, all different languages. But they're all assembled together. And it says in verse 5, That... At what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, saxbutt, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. Now, you see the change. It's a dedication. And they get there, and by the way, it's not a dedication. We want to see worship. We want to see your unbending allegiance to the idol that has been erected. We want you to worship this image as a picture of your undying allegiance to the king. 
And then it says in verse 6, And whosoever falleth not down and worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now, think about it. They were called to the dedication of the image in verse 2. Had they known that it was a call to worship, they would not have been there. They would not even have put themselves in that position. They would say, well, he might as well get us right now. We're, we're no use even going there because we're not going to do that. But because it was invited as a dedication, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are there. Now, some ask the question, well, where's Daniel? Well, I don't know where Daniel is, but he's not among the crowd that's bowing. I do know that. Maybe he took a sick day. Who knows? I don't know. But he's not there. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are. The dedication all of a sudden became deity because now they're forced to worship. The Bible says, thou shalt have no other God before me, and we should not bow to any graven image. So anytime someone bows down before a graven image, that is perceived as worship. We are worshiping this image, and that image is a representation of, of some deity that people are bowing down to. And God says, you're not allowed to do that. By the way, that holds for us as Christians too, right? We're not allowed to do that. We may stand and give applause to people, but we don't bow down and worship people. If... uh, Uh, A famous person came in, we might all stand up and applaud. But we don't bow down. But if Jesus came in, we wouldn't stand up and applaud. We would bow down and worship. And that's what we do with Jesus. That's what we do with God. And so the dedication became deity in verses 4 and 5. And then the deity became deadly. If you don't bow down... You shall be thrown in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There's consequences. And that's smart. He wants them to know it's not optional. Uh, If you think it's optional, let me tell you option number B. Option A is bow down. Option B is burn in the furnace. Which one you want? Well, apparently most of them decided option A, right? I'll do A. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will say, no, no, that's, that's not an option. Not going to do that. So then secondly, we see the decision uh, becomes declared. In verses 7 uh, through verse 12, we see their decision becomes declared. Not in the fact that they stood up and yelled, we're not going to do that. But when everyone's bowing down and three people are standing straight, rigid, with backbones like iron girders, then it's pretty obvious that they're not all in unison. So the Bible says in verse 7, 
Therefore, at that time, uh, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, saxbutt, psaltery, the people, uh, all the people, the nations and the languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Now, let me stop right here and mention the Chaldeans, of course, were those who were numbered among the wise men. And if you'll remember chapter 1 and chapter 2, that because <coughs> a Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not eat the king's meat, and they were tested and found ten times smarter than all the others. They were over the wise men of the kingdom of which the Chaldeans were a part of. So we have a little rebellion going on here, see. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are over this group of people called the Chaldeans, which are a part of that wise group. But apparently they didn't like the idea of four Jews being over them. Newcomers, if you will, out of nowhere. Not really yet trained at Babylon, but already finding themselves smarter by a supernatural manner that they couldn't figure out. So they figure, well, let's turn them in. This is a good option. We're, we're going to get rid of our competition right here. It continues in verse uh, 9. Then spake the king, uh, they said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sax, butt, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music. You know that's mentioned about four times in this one chapter, that all those instruments. He could have just said the band will play, but, you know, he just fills it in, everything. And in verse 11, that whosoever falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. They know who these are. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't have to say, let's look their name up. They knew who they were. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So to the others, bowing's no big deal. What's one more God, right? That's the way the Romans were. You know, Paul speaks at Mars Hill in Athens, and there's all these gods, and there's even a statue to the unknown God. We don't want to leave anyone out, and here's the statue to the unknown God. So uh, Paul preached on, let me tell you who the unknown God is. Let me tell you about the God you don't know about. It's Jesus. And he came and he died for us, and he preaches. Well, to a heathen who worships deities, I was talking to Derek Thomas, and he was telling how he was in, he's taking a trip soon and going to Laos. 
And uh, he's going to be there. And most of them are either Buddhist or animist. An animist is, is simply something that believes that in every animate object, uh, there is a spirit. So the clock on the wall, it has a spirit. The wall has a spirit. The house has a spirit. So they believe that everything has a spirit. And they believe the spirits from all of these things speak to them and tell them what to do. You know, the Bible tells us about the God of this world. And it isn't Jesus, it's the devil. And the devil loves to speak to people about either taking their life or taking other people's lives. One of the biggest problems in America we have with suicide is people who hear voices about taking their life. And that's because the devil hates everything God's created. And God is the giver of life. If he can get an unsaved person to take their life, he's sealed their soul forever. If he can get a Christian so confused, he takes his life, she takes her life. The devil has effectively canceled one life's effectiveness for Christ. We'll never be able to share the gospel if we bail out of this life. We never be used of God to be a blessing to others. But never be uh, alarmed or never be um, surprised that voices are telling you to do wrong. Because that's the devil's job. And he's good at it. The good news is, if we get into the Word of God... We're going to hear the Holy Spirit's voice. And the Spirit of God will guide us into all truth. Whose voice? I preached a series several years ago in a high school chapel. In a world full of noise, whose voice are you going to listen to? If it's God's, you have to intentionally listen. Because there's so much noise Several years ago, I would notice especially, you didn't see any young person going around without big headphones. Music constantly blasting. In a world full of noise, whose voice are you going to listen to? We've got to listen to God's voice. The others, bowing down is no big deal. To these three, bowing down was blasphemy. That was turning their back on their God. That, that was uh, saying, we do not serve our God. To acknowledge one is to deny the other. You cannot serve two, two uh, masters. Either you'll love the one or hate the other. And they knew that. They understood that. If they were to bow down to this image, it would be telling God, we don't follow you. And they said, we're not doing that. The decision becomes declared. Verse 12. The declaration becomes deadly in verses 13, 14, and 15. 
The Bible says in verse 13, Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of, here we go, cornet, flute, harp, sax, butt, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. Well, okay, it's all, all forgiven. It's going to be fine. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour in the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hand? Now, that's pretty brazen. But let me just say, he has conquered kingdoms that all had gods. And the nation of Judah had a God, God Jehovah, and he conquered it. Now, what he didn't know is God let him conquer it because they were willfully sinning against God. And so Judah went into captivity. But Nebuchadnezzar, instead of understanding God had a plan, and that's why he allowed him to conquer the Jews, thought, well, apparently there's no God that is successful against my army. So therefore, I must be the supreme Source of deity on earth, because look at here, I'm the conqueror. I've, I've conquered everything I've put my hand to. The audacity of it. Isn't it always true our pride can always get us in trouble? If God ever blesses you, be sure to give him all the glory. Remember later in Daniel, he's going to say, is this not beautiful Babylon, which I built by my power for my prestige, for me? And, and then seven years later, he's, I mean, for seven years, he's a wild animal out in the woods eating grass, hair like feathers, out of his mind. See, God hates pride even in the lives of his children. So we always should walk humbly before God. Amen? Amen. If God's blessed us, let's be sure we give him the glory. The king wanted their worship, and the king would have it, or their deaths. Worship, or I'll have your deaths today. Their decision showed their devotion in verses 16, 17, and 18. Actually, going down through verse 23. And in verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, 
O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, we don't have to think this out anymore. We already know. Remember Jesus said, uh, don't worry about what you're going to say if you're brought before courts or whatever for my name's sake. He said, "In, in that hour, the Holy Spirit of God will give you the words to say. You don't have to even think about it. They didn't have to think about it. They didn't have to go home and say, well, let me pray about this a while. No, they knew the decision. No, we're not going to blaspheme our God. No, we're not going to bow down to your image. I, I heard you say it. It may take our life, but if it takes our life, it, it takes our life. And he goes on and says, if it be so in verse 17, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Now that's interesting. He says, they, he will deliver us out of thine hand. Well, of course, if they burn in the furnace, that's still out of, the, out of his hand, right? But he said he will. But it doesn't stop there. It says in verse 18, but if not, but if not, by the way, I love verse 17, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. I don't, I don't know what it is you may wrestle with in life. And I really don't know what God's will is all the time either. But I do know our God is able. You may have cancer, but I know our God is able to deliver you. I don't know that he'll choose that, but I have no doubt that he's able. Whatever obstacle comes upon you as a believer in life, God is able to wipe out that obstacle for his child. And by the way, he loves us enough that it's easy for him to do that because he loves to take care of his children. Your heavenly Father knoweth what things you have need of. and uh, Your heavenly Father uh, loves to give you the kingdom, the things of the kingdom. If he's given his own son, will he not also freely give us all things? That's what the Bible says. He gave us his only son. Will he not also freely give us all things? Yes, of course he will. But we don't always know his will for our lives. Hezekiah, you know, was sick and prayed for 15 or prayed for for healing and God gave him 15 more years. But little did he know in that 15 more years, he would have ambassadors from Babylon come and look at all his house and all of his riches and show him everything in his kingdom. And that's why Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Daniel are in Babylon. Because he showed the king of Babylon all the riches of Judea. And they came for it. It would have been better if he said, Lord, you're calling me home. I'm ready to go. Even if it comes to our own lives, let's always be willing to say, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done, O Lord. Amen? Yeah, amen. 
Lord, I really want that job. Lord, I really want this to work out. Lord, I really, but, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine. You see, God knows every, every bit of information to deal with the decision. We don't. We don't. Ever get an argument with your wife sometime and find out you're arguing about something you didn't have all the facts about? And you, you, you already stuck your foot in your mouth and now you've got to try to eat the boot. Say you're sorry. I, I'm, I didn't know that. Well, you didn't let me tell you. Well, I, I, I. And that, we're like that with God sometimes. We don't have all the facts. Only he does. We really don't know what's good for us. Only God does. So we better be sure to say, Lord, whatever it is, we want your will more than anything. And by the way, a lot of times when we, we think when we say that, we're literally saying, Lord, I guess I'm not going to get what I really want, but I want what you really want. We've got to realize that we're saying that to the one person in all the universe that loves us unconditionally, like nobody else. Like nobody else. And that's our God. And so it ought to be real easy for us to say, Lord, I want your will for my life. I do know this. If you'll yield your life to God's will, his will is always better than your way. His will is always better than your way. Because you look at life with blinders on. And that's all you see, but God sees it all. Their decision showed their devotion. They had made up their minds before the decision came about. I love that song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. I love that. No turning back, no turning back. They stood unbowed, believing God could deliver. They had no doubt God could deliver. But they stood even if God chose not to deliver. He continues on in verse 18. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, you know, these were wise men, so they're probably saying, King, you're probably about to have a stroke. You know, your, your vein is popping out. You better, you better be careful. But his visage, the look, his countenance so changed. I mean, you talk about mad. He showed it. He was full of fury. And they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wrought to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. And it says, Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats. I'm going to get to heaven and ask them about that hosen. What was that about? I don't know. Tights? Men in tights? I don't know. They're hosing 
and their hats and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that threw up, uh, took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. You see, their decision showed their devotion. They were willing to die for what they believed. And I think you and I need a little bit of that grit in our crawl. Now that's a southern expression too. You probably haven't heard in northwest. A little grit in your crawl. It has something to do about chickens. And uh, not only will they eat the chicken food, but they will, they need a few grains of rock that they, they pick on as well. And they put that in the crawl and it helps, it helps grind up the food in them. And you and I need a little grit in our crawl sometimes. They were willing to stand for God. Their decision showed their devotion. And then in verses 24 through verse 27, we see they had a destiny with deity. Who would have thought? See, at best, they thought, God's got, we're going to go in the fiery furnace and God's going to deliver us. But I'm telling you, in their wildest dreams... They did not think deity would join them. You know, God always has a way of showing up in the midst of a trial of his children. God always has a way of showing up right in the heat of the trial of one of his children. When you're going through the worst experience of your life is when God wants to show himself as real as you've ever experienced him. And I've often said one of the great joys of going through trials is when your back is up against the wall and God delivers you, you never worry in life again about whatever it throws at you because you know He's able. When I was a child, we'd sing, He's able, He's able, I know He's able, I know my God is able to deliver me through... Carry me through. He's able. He's able. I know he's able. I know my God is able to carry me through. Oh, I love that. He's able. But you don't know that until you go through the trial. And in your darkest night, you see the light of Jesus. He doesn't shine the room you're in but he shines up the inside of you when you're in your darkest day and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to turn and you don't know what the answer is, you find God shows up and before you know it, you're in the furnace of life and Jesus is there with you. And that's exactly what happens here. Their decision and they had a destiny with deity Notice what it says in verse 24. I love this. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished 
and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fiery furnace? Didn't we do that? Now, you know, it's already cooled down now, right? It's been burning. They've stopped feeding the fire. How long does it take for someone to burn up if you've heated the furnace seven times hotter than it's ever been before? Mm, Not long. Not long, right? So stop throwing the coals in there. They're already gone. Let it cool off. It's already killed the three strongest men in the kingdom, right? Now he goes over. That's strange. Maybe I missed something. How many did we throw in there? Didn't we throw in three? And, And didn't we bind them hand and foot? Well, sure, O king, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what happened. Well, that's amazing. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, I don't think he ever saw Jesus before, but you know, When we get to heaven, we won't have to say, now which one's Jesus? Could someone point him out for me? I'm I'm not, I I don't think that's going to happen at all. We're going to say, Jesus, we'll we'll know him as soon as we see him. Nobody have to point him out. There won't have any signs. This is Jesus, the Son of God in three languages or a thousand languages. No, no, we'll know him. He looks down. He doesn't know deity. He doesn't know God. But he looks down and says, well, that looks like God's Son right there. I think that's him. They're all walking safe, but one of them is shining pretty bright. One of them looks like the sun is walking around with legs and arms. I I think that's the Son of God. The fourth is like the Son of God. Isn't that an amazing thing? You know, we have that phrase, Son of God, in the book of Daniel. It's all over the New Testament, but it's not all over the Old Testament. But it comes from the mouth of a man who doesn't even know God. But he knows God when he sees him. By the way, the people who deny God, they're going to know God when they see him. It's just too late. But they're going to know, they're they're going to say, wow, he is real. Uh Uh-oh. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake. And said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. Now you got, you got to imagine, he's seeing all this and like, wow. And the princes and governors and captains and king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power. 
Uh, you know, that's the Chaldean crowd too. And they're coming back out of the furnace and they're looking at each other. I think, I, I think we're in trouble. <laughs> I think we tried to burn the wrong guys. <laughs> they had tried to undermine their leadership. And instead of getting burned up, now they're coming out. Supernaturally. And everyone sees it. And they got to know, I think they're God's somebody. I think their God is the most high God. It says, being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coat changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Wow, you, you can't stand around a little campfire, but what you get the smell of smoke all over you. They're in the burning fur. They come out, and it, there's no smell of smoke on them. It's just an amazing thing, all that God does. You see, they had a destiny with deity. Now, when you go through a trial... That's what you need to remember is in the midst of this furnace of life's trial, God is going to give you an opportunity to have a destiny to see Jesus realer than he's ever been to you. He's going to be so real to you. You feel like your whole world's crashing down around you. But what you don't know is God holds up the world and it's not going to crash down on you but what it's filtered through his hand and his whole purpose is for you to know him as real as you never have before. He will come in the midst of your fiery furnace. And finally, in verses 28 through verse 30, we see the decree declared their deity as deity. Notice verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, uh, spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon." It's just an amazing thing. First of all, they saw that their God is exalted. There's no other God but the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Wouldn't it be nice if America and the rest of the world knew that's true? And they would if more Christians would stand for righteousness. But we can't be bowing down with the rest of the world and expect them to see Jesus. 
is when we stand up for the Lord and we face the trial and the heat that it brings, that not only do we get to see Jesus as never before, but the world gets to see Jesus in us. They get to see Jesus in us. You see, Christians were killed in the Colosseum, but because they would not deny God, Christianity spread throughout the known world rather quickly. Because there were people who believed enough to die for God and Christ. And the people said, if it's that real to them, it ought to be real to me. Their God was exalted, and then finally they were promoted. And they promoted them over all the kingdom, even the Chaldeans. It's just an amazing story in Daniel chapter 3. I just wanted to go through it tonight. I love every aspect of it. I love how God came through. And I love how three men said, we're not going to bow down. But if not, our God can deliver us. But if not, we're not going to bow down. And my prayer is that every one of us as believers have enough character to stand for God and for righteousness and for the word of God and the truth of God, regardless of what the world throws at us. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit of God ministered in this chapter as he did in my own heart. And Lord, I'm so grateful that we serve such a mighty God, a God worthy of our worship and no other God. And Heavenly Father, I pray you'll bless each person who knows you. Lord, if there's anyone who does not know Jesus as their personal Savior, I would pray that even tonight in their privacy of their own heart, they would ask Christ to be their Savior and forgive them and be their Lord forever. And Lord, may all of us take our stand when it's called for to take our stand for our Savior, for Christ and His kingdom. Lord, our life is not so precious, it's worth more than your worship. And so we worship you, God, and we thank you, and we love you. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to every heart. Lord, I know there's some tonight perhaps going through a great trial. Lord, I would never want to make light of that but I want them to know that you're there in the trial waiting to show yourself real and powerful and such a wonderful Savior. And I pray that each one of us in that time will reach out to you and the world would see how real God is because of how real he is in our lives. I pray this now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Maybe God's speaking in your heart. 
maybe there's a decision that you need to make. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And let God speak to your heart. Let God do something. Talk to the Lord. What trials are you going through? God bless you. Such a joy to have each one of you here with us tonight. I certainly enjoyed getting to preach to you. You know, when I'm gone a week, I always preach longer, right? I, always, I try to catch up a little, but I sure enjoyed that passage. Uh, Ms. Vestal, in the office, we have those voter guides. Okay, thank you. Uh, we do have voter guides that are on the uh, information desk. And so you can get those, and it, it doesn't tell you how to vote, but it does tell you, uh, everyone who's running for an office in Oregon, what they stand for and what they believe concerning biblical values. So feel free to pick one of those up and go through, and perhaps that will help you. Many of those in our area, I, I know all those people personally, and... Uh, and many good people, good friends of ours in our, our church. They're friends of our church. They love our church. So God bless you, and you're dismissed. <laughs>